Hello and welcome to Expound. I'm Josh Davis, the pastor at Winfield Community Church. This is a place where we go to ask and answer questions in accordance with the Word of God. They can be questions about your daily life. They can be questions specific to the Word of God, but we want to look into the Word of God, which is good for everything that we are going through in our lives and uh, get answers to those questions. So this week a question was posed to me uh, and was asked of me. In the Old Testament, it talks about people living for hundreds and hundreds of years. The question was asked, is that our years? Is that the same way we record time? Or uh, because that text is so old, did they have a different way of recording age? And if it is the same, what changed? What happened that uh, made it so that mankind would not live those hundreds and hundreds of years? So first I want to address the first part of the question there. Uh, is the year that they're talking about the same as a year that we're talking about? Uh, one revolution around the sun. And I would say yes, there is no reason to believe that the years that are recorded for age in Scripture are anything less than uh, a year revolution around the sun, the same way we record a year uh, currently. So yes, the years are the same. So how did people live for so long, uh, and people can't live for that long now? Well, the answer is really quite simple. Uh, there's a lot here to go over. I'm not going to go over everything. I don't want to get too far in depth. If you want to look deeper into it, I would highly recommend it. There is a lot of interesting stuff to talk about here, but uh, really I just want to give the point blank answer, solve the problem, and uh, hopefully it encourages you to dig in a little further because it really, really is something interesting. But we find this, uh, it's in the book of Genesis, and uh, if you're unfamiliar with the book of Genesis, it's the first book of the Bible, first book of the Old Testament, and basically the background of Genesis is this, we've got chapter 1, uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that's chapter 1, it goes through the first six days of creation, uh, we read that a couple of podcasts back, but uh, that's chapter 1, and then chapter 2 begins with the seventh day, which God rests, and then starting in verse 4, going through 25, uh, we see God setting up the garden for man and woman to dwell in. We have another description there of the creation of man, and we see all of that at the end of that, we see the uh, rules, I guess. The, God says, anything you want, you can have, except for this one tree, stay away from it. Uh, so we have that all in chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, we have what we as Christians refer to as the fall. That is when sin enters uh, the physical world that we are now living in. Prior to that, in chapters 1 and 2, even mankind was perfect. Uh, mankind was without sin and mankind was complete, able to walk in the presence of God and spend time with Him directly because they had not sinned. However, in chapter 3 is recorded the fall of mankind. Uh, the serpent and Eve have an interaction. Eve takes a bite of the fruit and offers it to Adam, and he also takes a bite, and we have the fall. At the end of verse 3, we have 
the punishment, uh, the explanation of specifically what the consequences of the fall are. They are specific to man and woman. And uh, just as a side note, if you are curious about biblical gender theory, I would highly recommend that you go spend some time in uh, the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis there, when God created man and woman. And uh, the fall itself and the repercussions of the fall describe some pretty significant gender roles within man and woman. This is not saying anything about one being better than the other, however, difference. And there is difference. It's important for us to understand that there is difference, and not only is it important to understand there is difference, but it's important to understand what those differences are. And so, Uh, A lot of times I will classify people as one of two things. You are, uh, I will classify Christians specifically as one of two things. You are either called or you are cursed. You are living within the call of God on your life, or you are living within the curse that God has set for us also in our lives. We look at men and they can be oftentimes workaholics. Uh, That is the curse. God said it is through the sweat of your brow and uh, through work that you will produce success in your career field. And that's why men, more often than women, are found to worship their work and find so much identity wrapped up in their work. It also says that women will desire headship. They will desire to rule over their husband. And so we see very much in especially uh, the world that we live in today, uh, women not just wanting to be necessarily equal or have a voice at the table, uh, which I think is fine and I think is good, but desiring uh, domination over their male counterparts. And I think that that is living within your curse rather than living within your call. If you are a woman and you're called to leadership, that is wonderful. I don't think that God disqualifies women from leadership, but I do think that there is something very important to understand about submissive uh, wives and submitting to uh, your husbands and uh, doing that as they submit to the Lord. And, you know, from the first couple of pages all the way through to the end, the theme of husband and wife and the theme of how men and women are supposed to interact together is very, very clear throughout the Word of God. Now I have wasted several minutes talking about something that uh, is not the topic this evening, but uh, I do think it's important, especially in the world that we live in today, that we take note of that. So that's chapter 3, is the fall and the curse. Then in chapter 4, we find Cain and Abel, a familiar story of brother against brother, one providing a sacrifice that God has called for, and one providing a sacrifice that he came up with. Uh, Again, a very familiar story, even in our world today. God says to worship him in a certain way, and we choose to worship him how we see fit. And God responds fairly poorly to that. He does not accept the sacrifice that he did not ask for, and because of that, Uh, We have this brother-against-brother situation where uh, one 
kills the other because of jealousy. We then, at the end of 4, see the birth of Seth, who is uh, Adam and Eve's youngest son. And then in chapter 5, we have the lineage from Adam all the way to Noah. Chapter 5 of the book of Genesis is where we see these hundreds and hundreds of year old individuals. We see um, Adam, oh, let me flip back there real quick. We see Adam living um, 930 years. We see a guy lives 905 years, 895. Uh, Methuselah, who was the oldest person to ever live, we see he lived to be 969 years. Uh, and Methuselah was the grandfather of Noah. But anyway, that's in chapter 5 where we have that lineage recorded. So what happened in the world or what happened in in this ancient world that people stopped living for those hundreds and hundreds of years. Well, if you are reading Scripture, if you're in chapter 5 where you have that information, uh, and you end at chapter 5, you would have this question. But if you would just keep reading just a few more verses in Genesis chapter 6, I'll start in verse 1. It says, When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. That is Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. So what happened? What happened is God said, that's it. Uh, he looked at the world. The world became more and more corrupt and evil. And God said, this is too much. I can't have these evil people living for thousands and thousands of years, able to procreate for hundreds of years, able to have generations and nations worth of children that they have many, many years to raise and continue to have children, continue to produce offspring that become more and more and more evil. If you look at the world we live in today, it makes perfect sense to me because people typically uh, don't get better, more righteous with age. If somebody develops a habit as a younger man or woman, as a younger individual in their 20s and 30s, the odds of that habit ceasing, if it's a bad habit, in the next 30 years are less and less likely. And this is, this is true on many different spectrums. It's not just true with bad habits. It's also true with good habits. If you're young and you uh, develop good habits in your teens and 20s, then those habits will likely stay with you for the rest of your life. If you develop a, a habit of eating unhealthfully and uh, being lazy in your teens and 20s, then the odds of you being a healthy, ambitious 50-year-old are slim to none. 
And so when we see this, what we see is we see as these people were young, they were being raised by people who had a propensity of evil. They were taught evil, and they developed evil habits. Well, a hundred years, two hundred years, three hundred years, seven, eight, nine hundred years later, those habits are so deeply ingrained. You think to yourself at times, man, I've been doing it this way forever. Imagine if you had been doing it that way for literal centuries. So it only makes sense that God puts the stop to that so that, A, grandfathers, great-great-great-great-great-grandfathers are not able to influence their great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren 800 years later and continually drive home those bad habits. Two, it makes sense because man was so wicked and evil that they were on the earth able to do wicked and evil for such a long time, God had finally had enough. How do we know this? Well, if you jump down to verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God looked down at his creation, that he created to be perfect, that he created to have a relationship with, that he created to walk hand in hand with, and he looked down and he saw in their heart, and the only thing he saw in the heart of man was continual evil, nothing pure at all. And so he decided, I'm going to cut them off at 120 years. The longest any man will ever live is 120 years. I don't care about advancements in science. Uh, there is no chance in, in the world, there is no possible way that people will live more than 120 years because God has established that lifespan. But on top of that, he then said, okay, I have now established this, but i got to come up with, I can't just snap my fingers and everybody over 120 is going to drop dead today. i got to come up with a way to reestablish an entire world. And after verse 5, you will continue to read, and that is where the flood takes place. Verse 7 says, So the Lord says, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So we see this worldwide reset that God feels compelled to do in the book of Genesis, and that's what takes place. And so the simple answer is God said 120, and then he did a worldwide reset with the flood. Now, I had mentioned that uh, I wasn't going to go too deeply into these things, but the things that are interesting that I would recommend you look into, because I do think that uh, it's important to understand them, but I, it's just a fun thing to think about, to consider, and to research. Maybe I'm, I'm weird, but uh, I want to give you those topics. As we read through this, I don't know that everybody picked up on them, so I'm just going to tell you, here are the things that I recommend you look into because it's really interesting to look into them, and, uh, and we'll call it a day there. But uh, 6-2, Genesis chapter 6, verse 2 says, The son of, sons of God 
saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any that they chose. And then in verse 4 says, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. So a really interesting thing to study there is who are the sons of God mentioned in verse 2, who were the Nephilim uh, mentioned in verse 4. Really, really interesting topic to look over there. It's a hotly debated thing. It's You'll never find the exact answer, but to look at some unique perspectives and have some understanding on who they were. I don't want to uh, give you my perspective. Just know that the deeper and deeper you go down that rabbit hole, the more intrigued you will become. And then finally, the other thing that I think would do you well to understand or to to look into a little bit um, is the atmospheric and geographic change that a worldwide flood would cause and why it would make mankind less able to live that long. So when God created the world, it was good, it was pure, it was perfect. Uh, And when sin entered into the world, it didn't immediately affect or infect every aspect of the world around it. And so the purity of uh, the the region, the purity of the world, just through nutrients and through all of the different things that humans and animals need to live, everything was so perfect and pure. It allowed for this extended lifespan. However, a worldwide flood has a pretty major catastrophic impact. It kills literally everything, um, except for the things that can live in the water, but for the most part, plant life, animals, uh, people, everything that would have lived on the face of the earth ended up dying, had to have died, and so the implications of the extreme change of the ecological system required to sustain life, that is also a very interesting thing to look into because when you had no rain and it was just the dew of the ground and different things that allowed for plant life to grow and then all of a sudden rain started coming and it just dramatically would have changed the landscape and changed everything about the ecosystem that was the world prior to the flood. So look into that, look into the Nephilim, look into this term, the sons of God, and uh, and see what those things imply, see what you can find out there. But uh, I warn you, you will get sucked into many, many rabbit holes for a long time. Now, that being said, I don't want emails in my inbox next week that says, who are the sons of God in Genesis chapter 6, verse 2? If you do that, it'll be like a 10-parter because there's too much to talk about with that. So uh, hope this helps. Hope it uh, at least brought some light to the original question. How did people live for hundreds of years? Well, they would probably still live for hundreds of years if it weren't for the fact that God looked down, saw evil, and decided, "Not, nah, I'm done with that. Uh, his days shall be 120 years. So hope that answers your question, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks.